0: He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is,
1: giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis.
2: This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. T-G-I-F. Thank God it's Friday. And uh, it's going to be a beautiful weekend, I understand. It's going to be 90 degrees, and uh, it's a, it's about time. And uh, we have a great show for you today, and uh, this is a tricast broadcasting out of WABC Radio Studios at seven seventy Midtown, and uh, we're also broadcasting WLIR and nine seventy AM, The Answer. And today, Friday, we have a common sense Democrat and a common sense Republican. The first time in a month <laughs> we've had a common sense <laughs>
3: Republican on a Friday. On a Friday,
2: we yeah. have Richard Weinberg and Ed Cox, and and we got some show uh, today uh,
3: tell us uh, Lydia uh we will be speaking with uh Tom Homan he's a former ICE director he's going to tell us more about what's going on with uh with uh, they're possibly lifting the article. What's it called again? Title 42. Title 42. Title 42. Could we see an influx of migrants coming in? Maria Okanamu. he's going to talk to us about what's going on internationally overseas. Dr. Peter Mikolos. monkeypox, it's here. Oh, boy. Larry Kudlow, he's always fantastic. He's an expert when it comes to finance. But first on the line... And on the line with me right now is intrepid investigative reporter John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, if anyone has that breaking news, it's you. What do you have for us?
4: We sure do. This just happened a little bit ago in the federal courthouse here in Washington, D.C., bombshell testimony from Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager, Bobby Mook. He told the court under cross-examination By John Durham, this is in the famous case of Michael Sussman, the Clinton campaign attorney, accused of lying to the FBI during the Russia collusion caper. Robbie Mook said, you know what, Hillary Clinton is the one who personally okayed Shopping around the fake Russia collusion allegations to the media. She was behind it. She gave it the okay. It's the first time we've had an inner circle person and the Hillary Clinton campaign say Hillary Clinton was behind it. We've had a lot of hints. In fact, we know that President Biden, excuse me, President um, Obama was told by John Brennan that he thought uh, Hillary Clinton was behind the whole Russia collusion thing. The FBI was told that by the CIA. But now for the first time, Robbie Muck, the campaign manager, the guy who knew exactly what was going on in the campaign, says, yep, Hillary Clinton was the one that said, go shop that Russia collusion garbage to uh, the news media. And so that was a big revelation.
3: Will anything happen to to Hillary Clinton? I'm already seeing on Twitter, you know, people saying something should happen to her.
4: Well, if lying were a crime, there'd be a lot of politicians in trouble, right? I don't know uh where this heads, right? I think we're gonna next week we're gonna get some more dramatic testimony. We're told that CIA officials are going to come in and, and testify that some of these data pings, these computer things that, that the Clinton campaign was shopping to the media, to the FBI and to the CIA, they might not have only been inaccurate, right? It wasn't that it just wasn't that there really is wasn't a secret channel between uh Donald Trump and the Kremlin, which is what the Clinton campaign was saying the computer pings may have been manufactured or contrived. That's what we're being told in court filings. These witnesses are going to testify. If that's the case, if Hillary Clinton approved, knowing that what they were sharing around was actually fake data, then you could have a potential fraud case against the people who did that. But let's wait and see what the CIA experts say next week. Uh, But it does add to the legacy of Hillary Clinton and Dirty Tricks. And uh, the larger Clinton family legacy, which has a lot of scandal in it, from the China money scandal in the 90s to the Whitewater scandal uh, to now the Russia collusion scandal and a a few donor scandals in between. Uh, uh, History will look back and say this was one of the most sophisticated and awful political dirty tricks in American history. Uh, What else is coming up uh, during this weekend? There is a lot going on all around town. Let's keep in mind that there's some big elections on Tuesday. So candidates in Texas and Georgia are working the ground real hard. Uh, Georgia, the big prize, is the governor's race and the secretary of state's race. President, Former President Trump uh, is heavily invested in the two challengers. Um, and uh, that includes uh, um, former Senator Perdue, uh who's trying to knock off Brian Kemp, And and a congressman who's trying to knock off the former secretary of state there, Rassenberger, Jody Heiss, he's running there. Both men, uh, at least right now, it looks like uh, Kemp is comfortably ahead, and he could deliver a pretty big blow to Donald Trump. President Trump has spent a lot of time trying to get Kemp out of office and get his sort of guy in there. I'll uh, we'll have to see if the final polls turn out to be true, but a big election there. And then in Texas, there's a big runoff. Uh, people forgot about this, but the Texas attorney general's race between the incumbent Ken Paxton and a name from the past. Yes, another George Bush, George P. Bush. They're they're duking it out, and that will be settled on Tuesday night. Uh, right now, it looks like Paxton is ahead in the polls, but we'll have to wait and see. Those will be two big elections and a lot of election activity this weekend around those two uh, races for sure. Uh, and then uh today in Florida, Ron DeSantis got some good news again. He, uh Florida Court of Appeals reinstated his redistricting map. He had been struck down by a lower court. The appeals court said, no, that judge is wrong. The way you redistricted the state is just fine. That redistricting gives a nice leg up to Republicans, improves Republican chances of capturing some congressional seats later this year. And it's staying in the courtroom for a second. Joe Biden has a really bad string of losses in the federal courts. And another one just occurred. A federal appeals court last night ruled that Arizona can proceed with its challenge against Joe Biden's policy that states that took COVID money from the federal government couldn't lower their taxes. Think about that. If you took federal funding, you can't lower your taxes and give money back to the taxpayers. Arizona challenged that. And the federal appeals court last night ruled that that challenge may go forward um, the appeals court was pretty strong in its assessment that this case has a lot of merit. So uh, another loss and a long line of losses on immigration and COVID restrictions, uh, another big loss for Joe Biden in a very important federal case. It was being watched by lots of states uh, who are have some heartburn about that. Um, John Solomon. John the the- with.
3: John Solomon, the ACLU, your latest uh, article, it's yeah. pushing to unseal the government warrants targeting Project Veritas. I mean, that was pretty much of a bombshell. You had that big-time Twitter executive making fun of Elon Musk having Asperger's syndrome, which is on the high ends of the autism spectrum. And yeah. now we also know that Project Veritas has been targeted by the government, and they're really great at investigative reporting, obviously, as yeah. maybe as good yeah, as you, maybe things. as good as you. But um, what's yeah, the latest Yeah, an unlikely
4: that? partnership. Right. It's, yes, uh, yeah. uh, we're talking about odd bedfellows, the very liberal ACLU, the very conservative Project Veritas. But there's a very important issue here, and that is regardless of your political strife, the idea that the government can come in and try to seize your reporting records without really evidence of a clear crime. It's never been clear what the crime was It's charge. The ACLU agrees on this on principle. They may not agree with the Project Veritas point of view, but they agree that a journalism organization like this should have had better protections and they want these warrants to be unsealed because we do not know the evidence of the crime that they were telling the court. What we were told is uh, the crime was interstate transportation of stolen goods. There's no evidence that the diary that, uh, uh, that's at the heart of this, and Ashley Biden died, it was ever stolen. It looks like it was abandoned. And so there's a real question about whether the FBI and Justice Department, much like it did in the Russia collusion case, misled a court. And the ACLU has now thrown its muscle behind this supporting Project Veritas and getting the truth out. Now, that's going to be a case worth watching. We've been covering it stem to stern here.
3: Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's an interesting case.
3: Yeah, it could have some ripple effects uh, throughout all news organizations because it it is kind of frightening that you'd have the government try to silence a news organization.
4: Yeah, it's so true. I listen, I went through this 20 years ago. I was a reporter for the Associated Press and not once, but twice the FBI took my phone record and then they seized my mail. They did not have a warrant. Ultimately, the FBI had to admit. It was wrong, and it gave me my mail back with a nice apology three, four years later. Uh, but they were just trying to figure out who my sources were on stories that they didn't like. They didn't have a legal basis to do so. So I have some personal experience in this, and it does have a chilling effect for a long time. After that, sources were afraid to talk to me because they are you being monitored by the FBI? i like, I don't know. It's a really good question. I'll throw one last one at you guys because this is a fun one. The U.S. Surgeon General, uh, President Biden Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, very respected doctor, recently asked the public, hey, Give us some examples of COVID-19 misinformation that bothered you so that we could start monitoring and start looking at it because we live in the digital era and we we want to be better at this. Well, they got an unexpected stream of information from medical experts, from scientists, even an attorney general saying, hey, some of the biggest misinformation that went out early in the pandemic came from, uh, you, you guys, the federal government. Oh they my give God. examples of HHS and CDC putting out information that turned out not to be true. So this little exercise may have backfired a little bit. A lot of savvy people came in and provided really significant evidence that some of the early federal proclamations were wrong. And very famous doctors, Jay Batichar, very well respected epidemiologist, Stanford School. Martin Koldorf, another one from Harvard, some of the big names in science decided to participate and call out the federal government. I think a lot of people will find some humor in that, particularly after the recent demise of the disinformation governance board.
3: Well, as they say, John Solomon, don't let the facts get in the way of your politics. Thank you so much. As always, John Solomon, JustinNews.com. Thank you.
4: Thanks, guys. Breaking news, WABC.
3: And this just came across a federal judge in Louisiana has blocked the Biden administration from ending Title 42. That's a Trump era measure that has been used more than one million times to turn back migrants at the border. Again, Title 42 was set to be lifted on Monday, but now a federal judge in Louisiana has said it's staying in place. So this is what you predicted, Judge. Judge Weinberg.
5: Absolutely. Right decision. He grant, the judge granted the temporary restraining order. It's now converted to a preliminary injunction. That means it stays in place pending the whole litigation for a permanent injunction. That's Can it. somebody overrule that, though? They can try to go up. They can try to go up to uh, the circuit, but the likelihood is it's not a final. It's not a final order, so therefore the uh, the circuit would deny that and keep it in place. And Cox, you're a
6: lawyer too. And, and, and it Absolutely makes sense because COVID is on the upswing, and uh, you don't want people pouring across the border with COVID. You have to have the ability and to turn that, them back. That's and with drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. terrorists. You bet. You yes. bet. All of it. And, uh, this is what it's about.
2: I mean, we can't believe this is happening to the United States of
5: America. The president of the United States doesn't give a damn about the border. There's people just coming in. John, this is a total abdication of responsibility to protect our national sovereignty and our national security. I can't believe that this president is getting away with it. And, and you know, when you look at the approval process, 30 percent
2: approve of him. I want to know how dumb these 30% are. Well, I
3: now want to know o- who they are. Well, now they're only saying two out of 10 Americans actually believe the country is headed in the right direction. We talk about crime. The solution is simple. Put the bad guys away, right? We talk hey, about
2: hey, what happened this
3: morning or this afternoon. The Archbishop of San Francisco. Right, the Archbishop of San Francisco. He is uh, barring Speaker Nancy Pelosi from receiving Holy Communion due to her support of that that measure that they wanted to have passed, where they would legalize abortion up until birth. A federal law. A federal law, right, a federal law. She was in support of it. Abortion until birth. That's why you had... You had, what was it, Manchin. He's the only one, only Democrat that said, uh, that's going a little.
6: By the way, what does this have to do with interstate commerce? You can't do a federal law overruling no, that's state laws exactly in all 50 states.
5: Of course, public health resides with the states. Exactly.
3: Right. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, that's that's pretty unprecedented. He sent a letter out to the different parishes, to all the priests, do not give this lady the Eucharist. She recently actually met with Pope Francis, and we don't know if they would actually discussed abortion. Pope Francis has said he feels uncomfortable to deny anyone the Eucharist. He says it's a gift, you know, it's, we consider it as Catholics as the body of Christ. However, it's been longstanding that if you are very in support of abortion, which the Catholic Church believes is the killing of an unborn baby, is murder, you should not be allowed. It's a grave sin you're committing, you're aiding, abetting, and you shouldn't be allowed. And the next step would be excommunication from the Catholic Church.
6: And that law permitted abortion right up to the date of birth.
3: Date of birth. And, by the way, they try to package it
5: as a codification, a federal codification of Roe versus Wade. That's not true. Right. It's a total distortion. Roe versus Wade never created that. Right.
3: Right. And that's why Manchin said, I can't vote for this. I mean, listen, John and I, we've talked about it. Right. How do you feel about abortion? I mean, it's a it's a horrible subject to even discuss. Hey,
2: look, I was there when my daughter and my son were born. And it's a wonderful feeling to see a child born. And uh, I believe in uh, children should be born. Maybe we should give a reward. Uh, To everybody that feels like they want to have an abortion,
3: pay them $10,000 to have the baby. Or set up a more feasible adoption process. Yeah, and and there's plenty of people want to There are are people...
5: There are, John, you're absolutely right. There are plenty of people who are not able to have their own child who would be more than happy to have a child and nowadays, and be blessed with that child.
3: Roe v. Wade came out in, what, 1973? Back then, we didn't have the science we have now. So we now know that a baby that is, say, six months along in the trimester could possibly be alive. It could stay alive. It could thrive. I did a story once in Westchester Medical Center where the baby weighed less than an iPhone. A couple of ounces, the baby survived and thrived. So, and, and, Cox, I
2: want to know what's going
6: on
3: uh, in New York State.
6: And New York State, New York City, guess what? Another breaking news. Former Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that he's running for Congress in the 10th Congressional District.
5: <laughs> and, that's, and that's now. Sir, yeah, that's but that
6: catch what he said? I'm declaring my poll show people are hurting. They need help. They need help fast. They need leaders that can actually get them help now.
3: That's like throwing an anchor to a drowning man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was mayor for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> he's delusional. What's the latest, Ed Cox, regarding? And by the de- way,
6: members of Congress do not do that. They vote on laws. They do not do that, that what he's They're talking not executives. about. What a shocker. They're
3: not executives. What, a, what a shocker. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. Yeah, okay. Ed Cox, what's the latest on the maps?
6: Oh, latest on the maps. I have to tell you, the, the Democrats are fighting each other now. Civil uh, war. Civil yeah, War, so or, that's what I
2: heard somebody call.
6: Civil War against, um, uh, among Democrats. Uh, that's that's what it is. Because when creating co- nice, compact districts for the first time that are fair districts, it pits Democratic congressmen against them, and also some Republicans against Republicans. Just have a- And to accept AOC,
2: that. what happened with AOC?
6: AOC has asked that the head of the DCCC that's responsible for all the congressional races all across the country, Sean Patrick Maloney, should resign because he's taken on a fellow Democrat, in his congressional district.
3: Now, John Katzmatidis, I have a question for you on another topic. Elon Musk, all of a sudden, a woman who was on his private jet back in 2016, says he exposed himself to her. He's denying it. He says, you know what? Hey, if you saw me naked, give me t- talk to me about my private parts. Do you believe it? You think it's a hit job? He says they're coming after him now, the mainstream media, because he declared that he would vote Republican. What do you think?
2: Um, I don't know what to think anymore.
3: I think it's a hit job. I think think, all of a sudden, I I think the
2: likelihood it is a hit job. Mm -hmm. But I, I just don't know what to think anymore.
3: No, I, I think
5: think there's no John, Lydia, Ed. I think there's no such thing as a coincidence. Mm. He's going. He's going to the right. The left is going after him.
3: That's it. And that's what he said. He predicted this a few days ago. He said, "Watch and wait. Look what's going to happen." And he wants it to be called Elon Gate. He even said it. He goes, "There will be a scandal, no doubt." Now that I Elon Gate. Elon <laughs> Gates, that's what he said. Elon <laughs> he Gates. he got to get his accent. Elon Gates. I mean, <laughs> you know, what's what, what do you think about, we were talking about this upstairs, the fact that he's being that specific, he's saying it's utterly, wholly untrue, and he wants her to describe, describe. my private parts. So there must be something very distinct about his private parts. Ha, maybe Don't he know. has a tattoo over there. Maybe a tattoo, a okay. mole, some Clinton-esque, a great, Clinton-esque a great a great curvature. Maybe he's not circled. Oh, my goodness. Or maybe he's a unibowler. The, great- <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the great mystery is revealed. Thank God, it's Friday.
3: <laughs> On that note, we'll <laughs> C- C- so <laughs> come back with Larry Kudlow. Larry Kudlow, keep it right here, WABC.
1: Our common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Cats at Night on seventy-seven
4: WABC.
2: Well, we're back. <laughs> this must be. This must mean that Larry Kudlow is on. Larry Kudlow, good to see you last
1: night. Yes, John. Thank you very much. The cavalry is coming.
2: Yeah, but mean, I on. mean the, the market. The market recovered at the end a little but I I mean, I just don't know what to think anymore. I want to listen to – I think the people want to listen to you. What the heck is going on? What do you think?
1: Well, look, uh, it's a difficult story. We're in bear bear market territory, uh, close to a 20% decline, but we're going to go lower in my judgment. Uh, I just want to say on this point – People should not panic. I mean, there's over 100 million Americans who are in the stock market with their retirement savings. Uh, Most of these folks are not the richest. They don't own the bulk of the wealth. But it's very important to them because, um, you know, this is their retirement savings accounts and 401ks and IRAs. I'm a great believer in buying stocks and holding them for the long run. And I said this on our show tonight. Um, professor Jeremy Siegel of Penn, uh, my old professor, Burt Matthews of Princeton, have argued all these decades that stocks are the best-performing asset over long periods of time. So, you know, people might think about uh, dollar-cost averaging And actually buying the market on the way down, even knowing that the market is probably going to drop some more. But I just don't think people should panic. This too will pass, but I think the months immediately ahead are going to be very difficult. I mean, all this woke economics uh, from the Biden administration, uh, too much spending. The war against fossil fuels, which has jacked up all the energy prices, Um, threats of higher taxes, attacks on companies, attacks on profits. I mean, they're constantly attacking profits, and profits are the mother's milk of stocks. Um, Interest rates, you know, key interest rates like the the 30-year mortgage rate has doubled, the 10-year Treasury rate has doubled, and I fear it's going to go higher, uh, these interest rates. So the stock market's got some pretty rough sledding. Uh, My basic point, though, is that people should not panic, all right? And, by the way, there is going to be a change in these policies because in November, the cavalry will come. So, therefore, you know, it's like hold your power.
6: They're coming. They're coming. Ed, Ed uh, Cox here, Larry. Your good friend, uh, Kevin Hassett, focuses on the amount of liquidity that was put into the market, the $1.9 trillion put a just as uh, the the economy was really taken off by Biden uh, with his uh, uh, with his uh, bill, uh, uh, what what? Uh, how about liquidity that's now being taken out of the market by the Fed with QT? What impact is that going to have?
1: Well, look at it, um, it's it's hard to gauge the Fed. I mean, the Fed has unfortunately fallen under the spell of Biden's woke economics. So the Fed approved that the two trillion dollars they shouldn't have. The Fed also kept pumping money and printing money, you know, for at least a year after the COVID emergency had passed. So they made a bad mistake. Now, today, um, James Bullard, Jim Bullard, who's the president of the St. Louis Fed, he's a friend, he's a sound money guy. He's talking about a three and a half percent Fed target rate by this year end. Currently, that target rate, the Fed funds rate, is under 1%. So there's a lot of tightening coming, Ed, one way or another, whether he's right exactly or something close to it. And the Fed is going to be uh, running off their bond holdings. So they're going to be withdrawing liquidity. And this is going to make it even more difficult for the stock market. There's no question about that. I don't want. To, I'm not sugarcoating the market. I'm just saying to people who who are listening to this that these things happen, and they shouldn't panic. And if anything, you know, if you believe in America and you do believe in my idea that the cavalry is coming and that the policies are going to get better rather than worse um there's a you know a brighter side to this but i
6: believe what i believe on. what kevin is saying is that you need to have rates that are above the rate of inflation before you're going to bring it down at the moment uh, your yeah, short term rates are way below the rate of inflation and long term rates are are also about what a third of the, uh, of the of the rate of inflation so we got a long way to go don't we
1: um yeah we do We do. And again, I don't want to prejudge any of it. Forecasting is very hazardous. The Fed's got its work cut out for it. And you're still fighting uphill. I mean, look, um, you know, on the show today, we talked about these hearings where the interior secretary basically uh, told senators there's not going to be any new leasing uh, for drilling or pipelining. Uh, On the other hand, we had Scott Pruitt on who said that um, that the current environmental restrictions from the administration are wrong and that new technology is appearing, which makes uh, all of oil and natural gas uh, cleaner.
3: Well, Lar- so Larry, drops- we got Scott Pruitt right here in the studio with us. Yeah. He made it over here. So- he sped on over. Well, Lydia, let hey, me Larry. finish my well, sorry. Lydia,
1: let me finish sorry, my sorry. sentence. Okay. I'm giving Scott a kudo because Scott's point, about the technology advances in uh, carbon sequestration, for example, is very important. And the Bidens, who are so biased against uh, hydrocarbons, are not putting in those technological advances. They're trying to make a worse case. And that is hurting. Okay, that is hurting. We are still, you know, a million and a half barrels short of oil per day from where we were pre-pandemic. And this but this can be changed. Okay, if you get it's better to have the White House. All right. We'll deal with that in 24. But if you if you if Congress changes hands in both houses, you will see tremendous pressure put on the administration to stop the war against fossil fuels. And that might mean more drilling and pipelining. And that could mean lower gasoline prices and ultimately lower inflation problems. So we have big challenges. All I'm trying to say is it's easy to get super bearish like my friend Ed Cox sounds, and I want to keep my eyes open. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but I think for ordinary working folks and their retirement savings accounts, the stock market is still the best place to be in the long run. And if you want to be uh, very calm and clever and smart about this, you probably want to buy on weakness, to be perfectly honest
2: I keep it simple, Larry. President Biden has managed to make every American poorer, and moved money has moved the wealth from North America to over other countries, and and it's it's obvious. It just it's happened.
1: Well, the good news here is, first of all, there is some growth in the in the economy. Um, Despite the drop in real wages, uh, there is some growth in the economy from the business side. Uh, Business investment has been very strong. I mean, look, the best part of this is that the Trump tax cuts, which were pro-investment for business, uh, not only lowering the rate from 35 to 21, the corporate rate, but also the immediate expensing for machinery and equipment, and also the repatriation of money from overseas back to the United States. There are no more inversions. Uh, those announcements are not around. So the Trump tax cuts survived, uh, thanks to Manchin and thanks to Cinema and, and, and our coalition. Uh, so that's still out there. But we're going to have to fix energy policy. We're going to have to stop spending. I mean, I was going to say, John, last night, and I said this to Scott Pruitt, who was on the set with me at the end of the show, um, and I said this, I had a lunch today with our friend Rick Scott, Senator Rick Scott. I said, you know, the GOP should not be message free. The GOP should get out there and tell people that they are going to stop the spending and stop the inflationary spending. OK, things like, for example, I'm totally in favor of the $40 billion going to Ukraine. I am totally in favor of that. But having said that where were the domestic budget cuts to offset and pay for it where was the inspector general to monitor it those are efficiency and managerial points but they're also important policy points because the root cause of the inflation is the spending and the borrowing and that's what forced the fed into the money printing so these republicans running for the senate have got to stand up on their hind legs and tell people ordinary people who are Uh, very, very, very much opposed to the inflation, which is robbing them of real wages. Republican senators and candidates for the Senate have got to say, we will keep taxes low and we will roll back regulations, but we will stop the spending. And John, that's why I said, you gave me a couple minutes last night, and I'm grateful for that. That's why I said what I said. Put your best foot forward. Don't be message free. The message is Stop inflation, kill inflation, and one way to do that is stop the spending.
2: Well, there's lots more simpler ways than that, too. You know, start drilling.
1: Oh Well, I'm all, yeah, look, you've got to deregulate the energy sector. These guys have re-regulated energy. But I will say what I've said before, John. The inflation is much greater than the energy problem. You can take energy out of the index, and you still see an inflation rate of 6.5%. This is a widespread prices is rising. You yourself have talked about the incredible increase in food prices and grocery prices. So this everything services are going up. Goods are going up. Every damn thing's going up. Housing expenses are going up. Uh, that's what happens when you have a broad based inflation. So that has to be stopped. And I'm just saying people running for the Senate have got to be very clear and outspoken. And I meant what I said last night. We need a pro-growth balanced budget plan. We haven't had a balanced budget since Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton in the mid-1990s. It's time to return that idea front and center. And it should be for growth. That includes tax cuts, the Trump tax cuts. But it includes the energy deregulation and other deregulation. But we've got to stop spending. If you want to put money out for foreign policy and defense, and I'm all for it, I want America first. Uh, Nonetheless, how about some spending offsets on the domestic side? You know, the story in the Wall Street at the Wall Street, the Washington Post, the investigation, one hundred and sixty three billion dollars of unemployment insurance during covid was fraudulent and they didn't know about it. And they still can't find the money. That's an outrage to taxpayers. And that's the kind of thing that's got to be stopped. And that's why a balanced budget principle has to come back into center stage. We,
2: we all agree. Larry Kudlow, have a great weekend. And make sure everybody tune in to Larry Kudlow on Saturday morning between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock on wabcradio.com, 770 on your dial and on your iPhone. Your your app, 77 W-A-B-C, Worldwide and Solar System. (laughs) Thank you you so much, uh, Larry. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.
4: Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. The number of U.S. households containing a mother, father, and children reaching a record low. New data from the Census Bureau finds just 18% of American
1: homes contain a traditional family. Weeknights at 9, after the Great one,
7: Mark Levin.
3: Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night Show. Now in studio with us. What a pleasure we have you in studio. Last time we had you on the phone, we have with us Scott Pruitt. He's the former administrator for the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency under the Trump administration. You're also the former attorney general of Oklahoma, and you're also running for office now.
0: That's correct, and it's wonderful to be with you all in studio, running for the United States Senate in Oklahoma. So it's good to be in studio with you.
3: Now, John just said something very poignant right before he went to break. Everything flows from oil. That's I, right.
2: I didn't want to argue with Larry Kudlow because he's one smart guy and he's a good friend. But when oil goes up, it affects everything. You said it.
6: And, of course, See? Oklahoma has nothing to do with oil, does it?
2: <laughs> Tell us about Oklahoma. You know, What's this going on? shouldn't
0: be surprising, John. None of this should be pri- uh, surprising. This president campaigned on what? A war on North American energy. He's keeping his promises. Mm-hmm. You know, when, he's when it comes making, to pipelines, he's he's, making the people in North America poorer and making everybody else richer. But wh- but why is this surprising to everyone? Why is it surprising we're going to have six dollar gas in August? Right. It's because this administration from the outset declared a war on North American energy, you know, from pipelines, not enough refineries, uh, red tape with respect to leases offshore. Not only have they canceled leases in the Gulf of Mexico and Alaska, they've added red tape to those that already have the leases. And then, then John, when you look at what the SEC is doing with the climate disclosure rules, what's it doing in the capital market? The market signals that it's sending into oil and gas companies across the country. So this is this administration is all about optics. It's trying to fool the people, you know, the, the, the citizens of the United States to say we're doing something to lower gas prices when they're doing the exact opposite.
3: Well, they empty the reserve. Way. That's basically all they did was but, empty the reserve. You, know,
0: <laughs> you know, the
6: president Biden's in favor of really unleashing oil. In Venezuela and Iran. No, that's uh, right.
0: And and and, and, and we've talked about this. Look, to the degree that America does not produce energy, the world is less free. Right. And that's, that's the long and short of it. And less safe, General. And less, and less safe. And less safe.
3: Now, what do you say to people that say, even if we resumed production on the XL pipeline and this and that, that's going to take a couple of years. You were just saying before – what Biden did sent a signal to the markets.
0: And look, from a permitting perspective, these leases offshore, uh, accelerating those leases and authorization could occur by this administration overnight. Mm-hmm. That, that it's, it's, it's not the case. I mean, you, you produce more oil, it's going to send market signals, and, and prices will go down without question. Now, the other thing that Larry talked about, John, that I think is missed – is that people kind of have this understanding that if, well, if we produce more oil, if we actually engage in production, the environment's going to be worse off. That's not the case. We want United States producing energy as opposed to Russia and China. We do it cleaner than they do, number are you, one. Are you
3: saying that Venezuela and Russia and China don't have as uh, high standards for environmental energy I'm I'm like us? That's what I'm saying,
0: and John knows this. Carbon capture and sequestration is technology that's being depl- – Continental Resources spent hundreds of millions of dollars recently investing in CCS uh, with respect to technology that helps reduce the carbon footprint. And we have nothing to be apologetic about as a country with respect to reducing carbon. Since 2000, since George, George W. Bush was, uh, was in the White House, we've reduced carbon in this country faster than any country in the world. Right. At the same time of growing an economy, at the same time of producing energy. So, look, we, we can do it cleaner than any of in the world and we can do it more efficiently and we can be what? An exporter of energy to make the world. Safer. Why doesn't
2: President Biden stand up and say when China and Russia agree to the same uh, energy uh, uh, protocols that they're asking us to agree to, then we'll agree. Reciprocity. You know, it's, 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 just.
3: You make a lot of
0: sense, John.
2: Yeah, I mean, I we, mean they're, they're tying our hands behind our backs. And Russia is excelling. They're producing 10, 11 million barrels a day. Uh, at $110 a barrel, they're getting rich. Are we really, China, really
6: are? China's building 240 coal plants as we speak. And do we really
2: want to go to Iran? coal plants. we want to no, really go I mean, to Iran
5: I and mean, Venezuela? Really,
2: American people uh, Washington is really dumb. D-U-M-B, Washington is dumb. I don't see how how else, how else to say it.
0: Well, they try to fool the American people every single day. I mean, this, this administration, this president, President Biden can't say yes to American energy because his radical environmental left won't let him. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. The constituency and his party will not allow him to do what? Say yes to the American consumer. And American people are suffering.
3: But why is Biden beholden to them? they they obviously they're misinformed or they're dumb or they're stupid. Which one is it? Let's find out what if we're gonna stay alive.
1: It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at
7: Night on seventy-seven WABC.
3: Welcome back to the John Cat's Matities Cats at Night Show. Well we started off the show with that breaking news regarding Title Forty Two. A federal judge in Louisiana said it's staying in place, it's not going anywhere. Tom Holman, former ICE Director. This is great news, right, for America?
7: Yeah, it is, but people still need to understand that. We're still at an incredible crisis on the border. Based on the numbers right now, we're going to beat last year's historic numbers last year, right, 1.7. That was the historic highest we've ever seen in illegal immigration in this nation. We're on par right now this year to beat that last year's numbers by another half a million. So it's still an incredible surge. The Border is still overwhelmed. But this gives the Border a little breathing room that, that will keep Title 42 in place.
3: So tell us, how bad are things at the border? I'm hearing a lot of hospitals along the border. Everything is completely overwhelmed. We know here in New York there is flights coming in in the dead of night. And so it makes you wonder if they're doing it in the middle of the night. Clearly they know they're doing something wrong. They're hiding something.
7: Well, they've been hiding from day one, right? They haven't been honest with the American people from day one. The Secretary of Homeland Security testified in front of Congress two weeks ago that the border's secure. He, he also said he had they have operational control of the border. No, they don't. I mean, all i got to do is watch the videos on, on the Fox network You see they don't have operational control. Since Joe Biden became president, they got over 700,000 gotaways. These are people that crossed the border, weren't apprehended, and they caught them on camera or drone traffic or sensor traffic, a border couldn't respond to, but they still recorded it, 700,000. If you you take into account, they they admitted they arrested 42 people on the terrorist screening database. How many of the 700,000 are on that same database? So this is a huge national security issue on the border. And I'll say something else. They say these policies are more humane than Trump. Wrong. More migrants have died on U.S. soil under President, uh, under President Biden's first year than any year I can remember. My 35 years, over uh, just just below 700 migrants have died. We got over 100,000 Americans have died from uh, drug overdoses, and most of this fentanyl. And DEA says 95 percent of that fentanyl is coming across the Southwest border. How? Why? Because 50 to 70 percent of the border agents are no longer on the line doing their job during processing centers, processing families, changing beggars, making baby formula. So this is it, this is as bad as it gets. And uh, the gotaways in, in concerns me the most because we don't know who the hell they are or where they're
2: at. We have in the studio with us, uh, sir, that, uh, Scott Pruitt, who is the former attorney general of Oklahoma and running for the
0: U.S. Senate in Oklahoma now. Scott, how bad is the problem in Oklahoma? You know people think and thomas can can speak to this. they think it's just it's just Texas and the border, but but it, it's it's all the states in in that region that are impacted adversely by the by what's going on at the border and and there's great awareness by citizens in Oklahoma, John, with respect to these issues and great concern uh, to the points that Thomas is making so uh look, it's a constant campaign issue it's constantly being discussed about along with inflation and energy and the rest.
7: Yeah, look, you I agree with what was just said. Look, this is not a border problem anymore. Every state in the nation is a border state. The fentanyl just stopped in Texas, Arizona. Fentanyl is in all fifty states.
0: Yeah, when you look at They're the
7: only population are going all over fifty states. When you look at the traffic, and, and in, John, there is going to fix all fifty states.
0: You look at the traffic in north to south I thirty five through central Oklahoma, I forty four through east west. I mean, this just this is a network. I mean, it's a network, not just on on on, on again trafficking with respect to drugs, but other things too.
3: Maybe someone can answer this question. Why is Biden enriching the Mexican cartels at this point? America's losing. The Mexican cartels are winning because that's the only winner in this. He's turning the he's turning the border
5: over to the cartels. It's not just enriching them. He's turning over our borders and our national security
0: to the cartels. And, look, rule yeah, of I've law, I mean, this, a, this five, administration – I'm sorry, Thomas, go ahead.
7: Uh, I was just say, You know, I've been saying from day one that – look, I worked for six presidents, start with Ronald Reagan, every president I ever worked for – wanted to secure the border. Even even Bill Clinton and Barack Obama came into office with the idea of how do we secure the border because they knew you can't have national security without border security. So answer this question, why is Joe Biden the first president of his first nation that came in office in unsecured, the most secure border we ever had? And you know, I, I got no answer to that other than, you know, he ran on open borders and he's keeping his promise to to the progressive left who he who he uh played to to win the election. But this president is dangerous. This president, unsecured, the most secure border we ever had, which I just talked about. What's the result? Thousands of American lives lost, hundreds of migrant lives lost. Cartels are making billions of dollars. For the first time in my lifetime, the Border Patrol has lost operational control of our southern border, and its criminal cartels control it.
3: Right. So Title 42 is just a drop in the bucket. So, how no, many but how many? you have to
5: make sure Title 42 stays in place? Because with that. Title 42, Tom, we're in very serious no,
3: oh. trouble. Well, we're already in serious trouble. How many migrants do you think? I know you said about 700,000 gotaways. How many migrants overall do you think have come into the country?
7: Well, they've had uh, 2.5 million encounters. They had uh, 700,000 gotaways. That's well over 3 million. And that doesn't count the unknown gotaways. How many people came into the country, didn't trip a camera, didn't trip a sensor? Most of the borders don't have cameras and sensors. So we have no idea. But the, the, the scary thing is is that this administration has not done one thing to slow the flow. And, ma'am, if Title 42 is important, don't get me wrong, but if the secretary really wanted to secure the border, he put the Remain of Mexico program back in the way he was ordered to do by the federal courts because also part of that lawsuit. We've been suing him. We won that lawsuit. Federal judge says you must reinstate the Remain in Mexico. He's running at about 5% what the Trump administration did. So if he really wanted to secure the border, he, he put the Remain in Mexico program back in. But since he isn't, He'll be held in contempt of court because so the federal judge ordered him to do it, and he's not doing
3: it. He's mad as hell, and we're all mad as hell. We're ju- all
2: mad as hell. We can't take it anymore.
3: So, what can we do, Tom Holman?
2: Well, we're out of time, Hi. and Tom Holman, oh. we're going to have you back because uh, the American people want to hear what you have to say. And I want to thank, thank the uh, Tom Holman. Thank you for what you're doing for the American people. Keep us safe. And uh, in, uh, the, in the in studios here, Judge Weinberg, Ed Cox, Scott Pruitt, good luck on your Senate race and we, whatever we can do to help, Lydia Serrani. And I hear that music in the background. What does that stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice and the
3: American, American way. way.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much. God bless New York. God bless America. And God bless Oklahoma. Thank you so much. Thank you.